Lord, that that will be the desire of our hearts. That we would yearn for you and you only. And despite the attraction and the lure of this world, what it dangles before us, oh God, that we would yearn for you. Desire you, want you more than anything else. So Lord, I pray that you would have your way right now this moment. You will pierce the veneer of heart and hearts and allow your love to sit in the very throne of our hearts. That we will be overwhelmed by it and that we will realize that in the midst of everything that goes on, that you loved us first. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that while I was yet your enemy, you pursued me. You didn't give up on me. And you continue to work in me so Lord I'm grateful for my friends and my family that are here and I pray Lord that this will be a moment in which you would touch each and every one of us I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and everyone said amen, amen and amen you may be seated glory be to God welcome everybody to recovery house of worship Brooklyn I am always honored to be able to stand before you and bring the word of God. I never take this lightly and nobody that stands before you does. We realize where we've come from and the journey that we're on as men of God and we're grateful for that. I want to talk to you today about a radical love that leads to radical change. There's this radical love that leads to radical change. And there is this love when demonstrated and truly understood compels us. It moves the recipient. Such a love requires a response for us to walk in obedience and to change. Now I understand that a lot of us in this room have tried to change. We've tried everything from makeup to hairdos to a suit, a tie. Anything that outwardly would cause us to look differently. But eventually what's inside of us comes out. When we get pushed or poked or prodded or when we stub our toe in the middle of the night. We have to be conscious that this love, this, this love that I'll be speaking about today would be a reminder for some. For some it'll be a rude awakening. For others it's an invitation to experience this radical love. This radical love, when you think about the word radical, it, it means to go out of the customary. That what normally people would do, it's what we call going over the top. It's extreme. And God's love is extreme. It is so extreme that he demonstrated it to us. You've heard the scriptures read in the songs that we just sung. God left his heavenly realm, left his throne, left his comfort zone and came down to demonstrate this radical love to touch us, to heal us, to embrace us, to show us the way. As if that was not enough, he is still loving us even in our mess. He's still kind to convince us that his love is greater than anything else you will ever experience. It's a radical love. It's a love that requires a response. 
You, you can't just hear someone say God is love and say, okay, that's good, that's great, that's wonderful. God is love. It requires a response. It's supposed to compel you to move from one station, one place, one status to another. It's not meant to keep you in the same place where he met you. And that's what I want to be able to speak into today. This love that moves us. This move that compels us, this love that moves us, compels us, gets inside of us, provokes us, shakes us up. I always say that God's love will wreck you before it fixes you. Amen. It did that for me. I got mugged. He turned me upside down. It changed me out of my pocket. I was overwhelmed by this love, but I, I, what I love about his love is that he met me in this place. And he didn't leave me there. In this place where I cried out to him. And I want to speak into this today because I'm exhausted. I'm tired of people assuming that God's love gives you the right to stay where he met you. It's customary in this church when we read God's word that we stand. So I'm going to ask you to stand as you read the text that we'll be reading from today. For you, you who are here for the first time, welcome. We love you. We're glad that you're here. We're a family here. We kind of know each other and we allow ourselves to be known. And I know that makes people feel uncomfortable because you think that if they know me, they won't like me. Well, I hope that as you get to know me, that you will like me. I want to encourage you to realize that where we do right now when we stand is because we hold God's word as the litmus test to everything we do. Amen. It's where we reach talks. Amen. We're not perfect people. We're people striving and trying to reach what God has set before us. Amen. And it's his word that should rule and reign over everything. When you find yourself being an emotional wreck, stop for a moment and see what God says. When you feel lost, when you feel aimlessly wandering around, grasping for things, stop for a moment and say, what does God say? And be obedient to what that says. Amen. Because I got to tell you something. Your emotions are messy and your emotion reveals something about you. It reveals what you believe in. And we heard last week, we're all going to worship something. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 21, it'll be on the screen in your bulletins. I just need you to hear this. It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in a reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Amen. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. You may be seated. Tell your neighbor, be still. 
<laughs> I say that only because moving around is an interruption and sometimes the enemy will allow your phone to ring right about now. So I'm going to ask you to silence your phone. Some of you are reaching in your pocket. I don't know why you let it on when you walked in the church. But you need to shut it off when you come into church only because we are recording. And sometimes what I've heard in our recordings is a ringtone. I don't mind hearing an amen or a hallelujah because we're not in a funeral. But I don't want to hear your ringtones. And some of you still haven't separated yourself from the world that much. <laughs> hallelujah, but a ringtone is right. There is a radical love that leads to radical change. And the focus text that I want to try to hit on is the first verse 15 that says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. For those who are listening via podcast and for you who are sitting in the audience, you're probably wondering what this mess is. It's not that our maintenance team failed to clean up. It is a prop, it is a symbolism, a figurative of what I'm trying to express today. That this garbage that's brewing here, this mess that's here, is where God meets us. It is where God begins to deal with us in our lives, and it's here that he demonstrates his love and our self-righteousness and our arrogance and our pride, and I want to do things our way. It's a mess. Paul says that everything is considered done. That's what Paul said. Everything he had done, everything he had accomplished. And Paul, if he had, and anybody wanted to brag in the Bible, it was Paul. Paul could have bragged. He sat at the feet of the very best. He, he was a religious zealot. I mean, this guy thought that he was doing the right thing, even as he persecuted Christians. But it was a mess. And I don't know about you, but I lived in a mess for a very long time. I'm not talking about when you think about the, you know, homeless and being on the street. Some of us probably have gone through that. I'm talking about the mess of living a life without Christ. I'm talking about the assumption that you know what you're doing, yet you keep smashing into walls regularly. Bumping into things, stubbing your toe, hurting people, not only hurting people, but hurting yourself ultimately. Because I don't know about you, but after you've hurt so many people, doors close on you. People stop calling you and inviting you to parties because you're the one that messes up the party so they don't want you around anymore. So what happens when that occurs, you wind up being isolated and separated and it's then that the voices come. The voices, no one loves me. No one cares about me. No one wants to be with me. It's in that mess that God met me. It's in that mess that God met you. It's in that mess that God can meet you. In that place where you're still operating on self-righteousness and your own strength and your own ability and your own talents. And you think, well, eh, my life is not that messy. Yes, it is. If you're living without Christ, it's a mess. You just haven't uncovered it yet. And it's important for us to realize that although God meets us in this mess, he does not want to leave us there. So you've heard things, how much God loves you, amen, and I'm all for that. God is love. It's the extreme love. It's this radical love. He went out of the ordinary. He went outside the box. I'm talking about when I read this and I understand it and I wrap my head around it, I just realized that he left this comfort zone of heaven, this throne to meet you. To show you the way to have a relationship with you. To nail himself to the cross, this incarnation, this virgin birth 
of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And he comes, and, and, and because God is a God of movement, he doesn't leave us in that mess. He wants to bring us to this place, this place over here on the other side. It's a communion table. You know, it's a beautiful thing when you're invited to someone's home and they feed you. When you look at the most profound moments in the Bible, Jesus, it was, it was around a meal. It was around when you go to the, the wedding in Canaan and he turned the water into wine. It was about this celebration. And today, the first Sunday of the month, what do we do here? We have communion. It's an opportunity for us to reflect and repent. And for those who don't know Christ, it's an opportunity for you to open your heart and allow him to reign and rule in your life. Because I got to tell you something, you're a hot mess. You just don't know it. Yeah, hallelujah, help me too. So, so it's important that as we make our way from that mess where God meets us and loves us, that you realize that he's a God of movement and he wants to have a meal with us. Amen. The Bible says that if you thirst, drink of what he gives us to drink. And we will thirst no more. If you hunger, let me feed you. And you'll never be hungry again. We're not talking about physical food. We're not talking about water. We're talking about this living water that will flow through us and cleanse us Amen. and begin to do what he does best. Listen to me. God loves you and he meets you where you are. But if you think that's license for you to continue to be, I gotta watch my, gotta watch my works. It, it means that you continue to be, I don't want to just cuss, but I can't cuss here. Um, <laughs> continue to be a mess then you are mistaken. The behaviors that were attributed to this mess cannot be something that when God reveals his love to you, that you keep doing. You, you just can't. But it's in those moments, just like you asked for God help and he demonstrated his love for you and it was a radical love, it leads now to a radical change. He says, be ye holy for I am holy, save the Lord. Amen? And because of that, it says, listen, God is holy and what is true of God must be true of his people. Now, when you hear this word holiness, some of us bug out. It doesn't mean that we become monks and live in a monastery and praise God for those people. I love them. I've been to a monastery and I happened to be eating and made too much noise. And the brother turned around and said, shh. <laughs> and I was like, who are you to tell me to shut up? <laughs> we used to have these retreats in monasteries because, you know. Pastor Edwin is this contemplative guy, and we went to this monastery, and we're sitting in the dining room, and everybody's quiet, and I'm looking around. Like, I don't know about you, but you can't eat Cheerios quiet. <laughs> so I'm crunching, you know? I'm not having a good time, and I turn to eat, and I say, hey, what's going on? And the brother goes, shh! And I'm like, I'll throw you with this spoon in the monastery. <laughs> Praise God for those brothers. We need people like that that are constantly on their knees and on their faces because I need a lot of prayer. Not you, just me. I need a lot of prayer because it's easy for me sometimes to go back to this mess. I'm the only one, just me. I'm going to keep the focus on me. No, 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 no. No, 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 because I don't want to talk about the other church today. I want to talk about this church, okay? And it's important for us to see because holiness carries the thought of being separated 
It's okay, he meets you where you are and God loves you. But now there's this moment where we have to begin to separate ourselves from the ungodly ways of the world and set apart for love, for service, and for worship of God. You can't worship God in your mess. You can't worship God in this heart and heart mentality where you go around thinking like the world owes you something. Like you have a sense of entitlement. You, you come around with your hand out all the time. You know, the greatest gift ever given was the gift of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. That was radical. This world talks about taking. And God flipped the script on everybody and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give. And I'm going to continue to give. This outpouring of his love compels us, propels us from our mess and invites us to sit and dine with him. And I got to tell you something. That his love is not licensed for us to keep acting a fool. It isn't. How else will the world know that you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ if there's no change in you? How else will the world know that my God is alive and well if Pastor Gus continues to be the same knucklehead he was before he came to Christ? I was a taker back then. And God has taught me, began to teach me, and I look at the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. You know, back then, if you wanted to curse at somebody, you, don't, you wouldn't use profanity. You would call him a tax collector. You would call him a publican. That's what you would say. You publican. You wouldn't, you know, use profanity. Because they were, they were padding their pockets. They were stealing from their own people. And listen to me. This is something that always bothered me. Always bothered me. Where suddenly God does something marvelous in your life. And now you think you're better than your friends who are still struggling. And now all of a sudden, you don't, nah, I don't want to hang out with them. Yo, stay over there. I'm going to be over here kind of stuff. How are they going to experience the love of God unless you go in the power of God's spirit and reach to them and say, listen, you don't got to live in that mess no more. You don't got to live in that mess no more. God wants to do something radical in your life extreme so that the world can take notice that he's alive and well. Amen? Amen. So he wants to set us apart. He wants to want us to be doing the same ungodly ways of this world. He sets us apart for what purpose? For love, for service, and for worship of God. Amen? If you look at Leviticus chapter 11 verse 44, it says this, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Set apart, different, Sometimes we think we're better, but it's not about being better. It's about being different. Some people invite me to places that I now have made a choice, a conscious decision that I don't have to please anyone. So therefore, I do not go to these places. And I don't go to these places because I know it won't take long for me to be back here. And a lot of us think, I got this. And then all of a sudden, we're back over here and you look like the garbage that you used to lay in before. And there's no distinction. And then you pop your hand up and say, oh, I'm a Christian. Put your hand down. 
You're lying in that mess. God is a God of movement, a God of change. He meets you here, but he wants you to dine with him. He wants you to have a moment of reflection and begin to realize that God loves you so much, meets you where you are, but doesn't leave you there. And God is holy and it says, be ye holy. That means be consecrated, be set apart. Let the world know that God is alive and well by your actions, your behavior, the words you use, the things you do, the places you frequent, the way you treat one another. You know, in the book of Acts, we didn't have to go outside the church. The church is not these four walls. The church is its people. The early church, they didn't have to do all this. All they had to do was love on one another. Love on one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens. That, that's what they had to do. And God saw that and he turned his ear to that and he said, wait a minute, I, there's something about these people that just, just touches his heart. And he began to send people to this place. Why? Because he knew they were going to experience the love that they needed to experience. Not the world's love. I don't know about you, but people in the world told me they love me. Right? And in Spanish, they say, que un amigo es un peso en el bolsillo. I did not speak in tongues. I will interpret. <laughs> it simply says that a friend is uh, a dollar in your pocket, right? So be conscious that when you have no money, you got no honey. Come on now. I'm just going to keep it on me, right? I'm just going to keep it on me. I don't want nobody getting upset. But, but, but it says there specifically that holiness is the goal and purpose of our election in Christ. It means being like Christ and being dedicated to him while living to please him. Look at your neighbor and say, stop trying to please people. You have to learn to play to an audience of one. If you please God, God will give you favor with people. If you please God, remember that the word of God is the litmus test. So if you're living according to the word of God, God will give you favor with people. People will come out of the woodwork and call you blessed. Woo! Hallelujah. I would run across the stage, but I'm afraid I'll break something. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 7 said, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to praise of his glorious. Listen to me. Since the beginning, what we call eternity in the mind of God, he saw you. He saw you in that mess. And he waited and he still waits for you to call out to him. And, and like that song, yearn that you would want him more than anything else. That you would consider everything you've ever accomplished, everything you've ever done to be done, as Paul said, to know the power of Jesus Christ, the love of Christ. That, that you would feel that embrace. Listen to me. You know, you hear terms like, you know, the scripture says that, that even when my father and mother abandoned me, who's going to be with me? Yes, God is going to be with me. I have this father that will never leave me nor forsake me. I have this heavenly father, and some of us still in this room have the wounds of abandonment that we have to deal with. And I got to tell you something, listen to me. You're still here. No matter who walked out on you, no matter who left you, no matter what you've gone through, God was with you. And you're saying, well, how can God be with me and allow me to go through that kind of stuff? 
because his glory will be revealed through your survival, Amen. your endurance, your perseverance. People need to hear your story. And some of us are afraid, man, I don't know how to tell my story. Tell it the way it happened. And begin to realize that God was there with you. That his love was there and began to compel you and move you to where you are today. For those who have received Christ as their Savior and Lord, you're here because of that. And for those who haven't, you're here because of that too. God is knocking on the very door of your heart today. And he's saying, let me in. Let me in so I can clean up this mess. Let me in so I can show you the kind of love that you've been looking in all the wrong places for. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of looked for love in the wrong places. And, and there's nothing, I'll keep it on me, there's nothing like a broken heart. <laughs> right? And somebody tells you, I don't love you no more. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, I'm lovable. Come on. <laughs> right? And someone tells you that, it's like, gosh, what is going on here? But this radical love, it leads to radical change. And I want to encourage you to realize, listen to me, listen to me. If anything you leave with here today, know this, that this radical love that's been demonstrated by God doesn't want to leave you in your mess. And some of us have to be moved, kicking and screaming sometimes. It's like we love this. Banana peels, chips, dirty clothes, attitudes. Some of us really, you know, like, we got an attitude, right? Like, 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 out of nowhere, it just comes. Good morning. Good morning. What's so good about it? Okay. <laughs> we need to be able to realize that God gets inside of us, and the response to this love is begin to become this conduit, this, 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 this flowing canal that, that God uses to, to, to love others. See, some of us think that we can keep it, right? We look in the mirror and look how lovely I am. Look, No, God is saying, give it away. Give it away. Learn to love others, amen? amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Woo! How do I walk in the Spirit? How do I, you know, do I float around? <laughs> no, that's not what it means. In the spirit of God's word, in the spirit of God's word, what is God saying in his word about what I should be doing? Now, the problem that I find is sometimes is that people don't understand that because they don't read God's word. They expect me or Pastor Edward or any pastor that stands before you to give you a 45-minute dose of spiritual tools for you to just walk around with. It is up to you to begin to dive into God's word and look about what he says and begin to have these verses get run over you, get inside you, so that when you find yourself in a mess, you would realize that God is faithful. Yes. That God meets you there, doesn't want to leave you there. And if you're going to go around wearing the Christian garb and the bumper sticker and saying hallelujah, glory to God, and cussing your brother, you got a problem. You can't walk over a person and say God bless you while they're in need. 
You, you have to be able to realize, now listen to me, not every individual in this room can meet everybody's needs. That's left up to God. But listen to me. If you see a need, meet that need. Don't close your eyes to it. Don't turn a deaf ear. Right? Don't change the channel and the little baby and the tears and the flies, you know, you change it. Come on. Right? Because you don't want, oh, now I got to send money to somewhere. It doesn't cost much to take on a cause. It really doesn't. It doesn't take much to serve in your local church. God's love compels you and moves you. Your response is, how can I live my life now to glorify God? How can I live my life to honor God? How can I learn to dispense this love that's been shown to me, this over-the-top, extra mile, turn the other cheek, give the coat to my brother kind of love? You know what I find it? And this pains me sometimes. That it's easy to love those that love us. Isn't it? I mean, it's so easy. I mean, you know, this year as you begin to uh, put together your Christmas list, you're going to give gifts to people that love you. And you love. Imagine if you became radical and gave a gift to that evil boss of yours. No, a good gift, not, not, not. <laughs> See what you Right? Or that neighbor that's always playing the loud music at 12.30 when you're trying to get to bed and you gotta go to work the next morning. Imagine if you became radical. I said, you know what, I'm gonna go over the top, I'm gonna be extreme, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show them the kind of love that was shown me. I guarantee you that it will soften people's hearts and they will begin to change. And then the other thing is, sometimes it's easier for us to love a stranger than to love our own family. And that worries me too. Because we've had a history with our family, right? We figure out how often do I have to tolerate their behavior. And I've been there, I, I got family that, you know, I give them 30 minutes and then I'm gone because I know where they're gonna go and what they wanna talk about. God has moved me from that muck and mire and that junk of my life, and oftentimes they wanna talk about the old days. And those days are dead. I am a new creature. God has done something new in me. And how else will they know that it's available to them if they don't see the change in me? Amen? Colossians. Chapter 3, verse 9, it says, says this, because there's this putting off and the putting to death that must happen in our lives. There is this putting off and putting to death. And the Bible says here, do not lie to each other. Why is it we lie? Why is it we lie? There's something wrong with you, isn't there? You lie because you're still trying to please somebody or impress somebody. Or you don't really want people to know what's really going on, so you lie. There are some people, not here in another church, that I got to ask them three times the same thing. And after a while, I say, you want to go with that story or you want to change it? Right? You got to give them a chance to come clean, right? 
Because maybe they're three-timers, you know what I mean? You know, three strikes, you're out. You got to give them that opportunity. So I said, Bobby, you want to go with that? He's like, uh. I said, go ahead, go around the block. Go get a cup of coffee in the overflow room. Come back and we'll talk again. Because I got to tell you something. That lie meter over your head is going off. Beep, beep, beep. Liar, 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 liar. So it says here, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the what? New self. So there's this newness of life that must happen. God meets us in our mess, but he wants us to sit and dine with him. And along the way, as you begin to see the scriptures and you begin to see uh, uh, what happened to Zacchaeus, he was this publican, cuss word, this publican, this tax collector who stole from his own people. And, and Jesus sees him and says, come, I'm going to eat at your house today. You have to hear the people what they started to say. How could he be eating with that guy? How could he be hanging out with that guy? Well, let me tell you something. Recovery House of Worship will be the place that Jesus would show up because we're a bunch of publicans. Just, this is the place. And people were pointing the finger. You know who those people are, the self-righteous, right? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people who, who, who don't need anything. And they're like, whoa, I don't want to get near to that person. I don't want to be in the same room with them. Jesus said, I'm going to eat in your house today. And I got to tell you something. The love that was shown to Zacchaeus changed them so profoundly. It compelled them. It was radical. Man, he emptied out his coffers. All the money he had stolen, he gave back. All the money. I was like, woo, I want to meet somebody like that. Or just give back everything. Not just say, oh, God, forgive me. Thank you so much for giving me. But keep everything that he stole. And that happens. It happened with Saul, it happened with Paul, it happened with the Samaritan, the Samaritan woman. Right? When, when you think about the Samaritan woman, the Samaritans were a mixed race. They weren't looked upon in any particular way. They were mutts. Right? They were mutts. And I got to tell you something, just so you know, okay? Mutts are the most faithful pu uh, puppies and dogs that they are. Like, they don't have no pedigree. They don't have to walk straight. They don't have to take their tail out, you know? They just slob all over the place, you know? Jump on you, lick you, you know? Like, like mutts are the most faithful. I'm a mutt. I'm a mutt. You know, like, like that's, that's most faithful. And the Samaritans, man, when you look at it, when you look at the story of the, of the man that was attacked on the road of Jericho, he was beat up and he was stolen. Who was it that stopped for him? That's where we get the term good Samaritan. It wasn't the religious person. The religious person was like, oh, I gotta go to church. I can't help nobody right now. Oh, wait a minute. He could be dead. Oh, there could be thieves in the world. Oh, I can't. I can't stay. The Samaritan stopped. Here's a person who had every reason not to help anybody because he was ostracized and stigmatized by society. He was called a mutt, but it was this mutt who stopped for a moment and helped. Why? Because when we experience the love of God, when we experience the radical love of God, it leads to radical change. It affects us. It compels us to move into the byways and highways of the world and touch the world that is starving for love in their mess. It says here, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self, which is being renewed. Listen to this. This is continuous. This word renewed means every day. His mercies are new every day. Every morning, every morning you get up, there's a new day, there's a new day, there's a new day. So stop worrying about tomorrow. Just do all you can today. 
The people around you, you got to say love. I love you today. Say I love you today. You know, I, you know. Sometimes my wife tells me, you know, she she's really. I love my wife so much, and she's always wants to pack things and hold them for birthdays and stuff like that. So me, I always say, what about if I die tomorrow? Why can't I get it now? Right? You don't have to pack it. I got to like packing. She likes packing. I say, honey, you know, we're, we're going to pack this gift. They're going to tear it up the paper. The paper costs money. I want to give you what I want to give you today. And it's okay. We need people like that because the excitement of unraveling a gift is really great. But for me, I'm so conscious of the moment. I'm so conscious that there is an opportunity that's given to us every single moment, every single day that I don't want to let go by. So if I'm going to give you something, I want to give it to you today now. Don't think I'm giving you anything. Okay? But I, if, if I have to, that, that, I want to give it to you today, now. Because tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. Listen, if you're in this room and you don't know Christ, tomorrow is not guaranteed to you. Today is the day where God knocks on your heart and says, let me in. Let me reside in your heart. Let me begin to do what I do best. Let me take you out of your mess and sit you to dine at my table. There is an indication here that you have to understand something. There is a putting off that must happen. You know, that outfit that doesn't fit you anymore. That you keep thinking you're going to slim down or you're not going to slim down. Once you reach a certain age, you're just not going to slim down. Tell me. All right, all right. So I'll keep it on me. All right. All right? I'm not slimming down no more. All right? Because my wife just looked at me like, okay, what is all that about? But the reality is, listen to me, you know, like, 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 if, 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 like I used to wear size 30 pants. Okay? It's not going to fit me anymore. There's a behavior that I practice here that doesn't fit me anymore. There's a behavior you practice here that now that you're coming to church regularly, that you're being exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you're being overwhelmed by this love, doesn't fit you anymore. So you got to take it off. Got to give it away. Got to get rid of it. For some of us, there are some things that are still just bubbling and are still alive in our lives, and we got to put it to death. We got to take a dagger to it. With some behaviors, some attitudes, some defects, some sinful actions that, man, we got to really put it to death. And then the beauty about that is when I've done all that, then he gives me a new garment to wear. It's a garment of praise. It's a garment of worship. It's a garment of righteousness that's found in him. Not my righteousness, because my righteousness is like filthy rags. His righteousness. See, it's not me doing this. It's what Christ has done in me. I, I can't do this on my own. I, I've tried. Listen, I, I've tried. I came to Christ when I was 29. I was called by Christ at 15. For 14 years, I pulled the Jonah. For 14 years. He would say, go that way, and I'd say, uh-uh, I like it over there better. And that's you too. Don't think it's just me. I'm going to put it on you now, okay? God's been calling you for a long time. But this world, this mess that, that gets, sometimes you throw perfume on this and you lie in it. Yeah, you don't get the stench of it. 
And just throw a little perfume, a little Lysol, a little stick up like the commercial in the car where they have the mess and everybody's like blindfolded. They say, mm, it smells really good in here. Uh-huh. Uh, right? It's time for us to take off the blindfolds. We're in a mess and we need God's love to propel us to a place where we can now dine with him. There is a radical love that leads to radical change. I look in this room and I've had the pleasure of having a front row seat to seeing some of you change. Some of you are a little slower than others and that's okay. But you are on that road. And we can actually measure the change in your life. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm cheering you on, man. I got my pom-poms in my skirt and I'm going, go, 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 go. We celebrate the progress. But I want to let you know that we're coming to this place now in this service where we're going to have communion. It's a moment of repentance. It's a moment for us to reflect and to be restored. There may be somebody in this room that you need to ask forgiveness for. There's somebody that you probably offended, someone that you probably said something or done something or thought something that you need to get out of your seat and you need to say, listen, forgive me. And that's big boy stuff. That's radical love that leads to radical change. There is a song that I want you to hear as you begin to meditate upon what has just been said and what's been shared. And then we're going to come and we're going to have communion. Amen?
praise you, Father. We worship you, Lord. We adore you. We magnify your holy name, O oh Lord. Lord, you are holy. You are holy, God. And Lord, I am just in awe that a holy God would want to have a relationship with a filthy me. I'm just so grateful. I'm overwhelmed by that love, that radical love, Lord. Now I pray that you would help me to experience that change, Lord, that would make me more and more like Christ. And Lord, there are things in my life that I want to submit to you right now, this moment. There is an attitude, a behavior, an action, a sin that somehow, Lord, I just can't stop doing. And so I pray, Lord, that you would right now reach down into our hearts, the depths of our souls, as we confess, as we yield, as we surrender, and we welcome you into those places, Lord, that are a mess in our lives. Lord, that you would do what you do best. Lord, help us. Help us to realize, Lord, the sanctity of this moment as we prepare ourselves to have communion. There's someone in this room that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, Lord, that they would say yes to you and no to their old way of life. And Lord, it doesn't mean that they have to get up and run around this room. All they have to do is open their hearts and say yes to Jesus. I pray right now that if you're in this room and you don't know Christ, you would not leave this room without saying yes to Jesus Christ. Without you acknowledging that you're a sinner and that you fall short and that you've lived a life without him and you need him now, this moment, to come into your mess. And Lord, for those who have been around for a little bit, for those who make assumptions about their walk with you, those who think that they're okay when they're not. I pray that there will be a level of repentance today as well. A level of confession and surrender. And that they would allow you to not only reveal that to them, but that through confession and repentance, they will be free from it. So Lord, thank you for moments like this. We could take part in the very same act that you took part with, with your disciples in that upper room. Church, this is a radical kind of love when you look at this communion. We know it as the Last Supper. You know what's so radical about it? Because among him, there was someone that would betray him. And he still loved him. He still loved him. That's radical. That's extreme. That's going beyond and above. And I'm so grateful for the act of love that was demonstrated by 
our Heavenly Father through the person of Jesus Christ. So I want us to take a few moments to allow the search light of God's Spirit to shine upon our hearts. Listen to me. I don't want you to be concerned about the person to the left, to the right. I want you to focus on what God is doing internally right now in you. God met you in your mess. And now he invites you to sit at his table. Put off, put to death, and put on this new way of life.